everybody, back to the Movie Scramble podcast. I am your host, Thomas. I am joined once again by Mary and John. John, how are you doing this fine day? Absolutely perfect. It's a very, very nice spring day and still alive, basically. <laughs> That's good enough for me. That's good. Do you think this sunny weather will be tempting people to leave the house? I don't think they need any sort of temptation. They seem to still be doing it anyway. Which is a shame because if they say that and listen to his podcast and downloaded it from their laptops or their, their desktops, stay in and listen to the podcast. Mary, how are you? I'm good, yeah. It's a lovely day. I've not got the COVID, so <laughs> it's all good. So it was a good start to the day, not having a, <laughs> not having a, a major disease that's wiping out half the planet. Yeah, every morning when I wake up, I'm just like, do I, do I, need, do I need to cough? Dad, I feel like my lungs are crystallising. Nope, nope, okay, another day. <laughs> When you get to my age, that's how when the mornings just start. The amount I've drank over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I just call it that Wednesday morning. We do not have a film to review for this podcast. We've mentioned in previous podcasts, we're just going to do more episodes now as we have a lot more spare time on our hands than we previously did. And unfortunately, we can't go to cinema and see any releases because there are none. We could watch stuff on Netflix and Amazon like we've recommended you do, but uh, we haven't. So we've did, we've come up with a list of our top three movies we've only watched once and have no intention of watching again. Now you probably think to yourself, I've watched many films that I wouldn't watch again. What makes us any different? Well, we're not talking about films we don't enjoy. We're talking about films we particularly liked or thought they were technically brilliant we're not talking about bad films we're not talking about films we didn't like we're talking about films that are good movies we've just no intention of watching them again for different reasons which we'll discuss as we go on we've all got our lists we've all picked three each this was a particular difficult one for me a bit of a shite i watch <laughs> the idea of not watching some of the films for a second time or multiple times like i was saying in the, the chat the other day i'd check some of these lists on IMDb and the internet to films you should only watch once and half of them I'm like <laughs> I've seen these a few times don't know if that says more about me but John I believe your first what's your first pick on the movies you've only watched once and have no intention of watching ever again my first pick is the 2011 film we need to talk about Kevin the Lynn Ramsey film that starred Tilda Swinton John C. Reilly and Ezra Miller now, the reason I have chosen this film as one that I have genuinely only watched once is basically because of the content of it and the way that it made me feel after I watched it. I was kind of chilled to the bone by it. For those of you that don't know the film, it is based around a teenager called Kevin who is in prison after committing a massacre at his local school and also killing his father and his sister. Now, this isn't a spoiler because this happens right at the very start of the, the film. All this is put out there. The only one that's left from the family is the mother, who is played by Tilda Swinton. Now, what she does is basically stand by her son and she visits him in prison every day and she tries to understand how they actually got to where they are now. And the story is told with her face-to-face visits with her son and flashbacks to son been born, raising them from sort of early age into teenage years. This is a harrowing, harrowing story from beginning to end. It just doesn't let up at any point. It's not miserable, it's compelling, but it's the way that it's put across as the sort of almost like the demon seed child 
within a family and how they can corrupt those around them and make different people think different things. For instance, the way that he reacts and acts with his mother is completely different to the way that he behaves with his father. And this was shown from a very young age when Kevin was just an infant. He would cry all the time whenever his mother touched him. But any time his father was around, he was a perfect sweet little boy. So he didn't understand what was going on. He thought everything was fine. He thought maybe it might have been something to do with the mother rather than anything else. And this just compounded as the, the years went by. It is a great film. It's been listed as one of the best films of the last decade, which I totally agree with. But... I cannot bring myself to go back and watch it because I really don't want to experience some of the emotions that kind of run through your mind after watching this. It's truly chilling. Did you guys see it at all? Yeah, I read the book and then caught it on Netflix. And to me, it's like the biggest advert ever for just buttoning up your uterus and <laughs> not having kids. It's brilliant, like really, really brilliant performances from Tilda Swinton and Asia Miller for the most part and John C. Reilly and the supporting cast. It's, no, I totally get why you've picked this. It's very, very uncomfortable. He's a master manipulator, like even as a child. And it does kind of make you think of those sort of, you know, children of the corn, Damien type of, you know, children that we've seen in films. But of course, it's, it's so much it's so much more than that. It's, it's a really good pick, John. It's a brilliant film. Yeah, Tom's. I'll echo that. And I, I, I started reading the book uh, a few years ago. It was after the film came out and I just couldn't get into the book at all. And because of that, I just, I never, I never have a great interest in seeing the movie. And I think it was on Netflix as well. I watched it. And yeah, I, 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 was, I said the word compelling there, John. I totally agree with that. It was hard to take my eyes off it. The performances from the three main cast were absolutely incredible. The chemistry, specifically between Ezra Miller and Tilda Swinton, was, was haunting. Mm-hmm. And it's a very unsettling watch. Yeah, it's a kind of it's a movie that I'm glad I have watched. I would be no interest to watch it again. Maybe not for the same reasons as yourself, but I'm definitely it's a great pick. Very good, very good choice. Very good movie, and just to reiterate as well, these movies we are picking, we do recommend them all, even if you just watch them once. Okay, Mary, your first choice. So my first choice is from 2018, and it comes from writer director Jennifer Kent, who made her debut with the Babadook. And this is a film called The Nightingale. Sing a song. The one for me. I wish I were on yonder hill. We don't want no trouble. That's just the way, isn't it? You don't want trouble, but sometimes trouble wants you. It's set in the early 1800s in Australia, in Tasmania, and it stars Ashleen Franciosi as a young Irish girl, Claire, who's a kind of poor servant working in quarters surrounded by English soldiers. And basically this is a kind of revenge story, a sort of quest story, a kind of survivor story, and it's talking about, you know, has real themes on the treatment of women, the treatment of Aboriginal people in, in Australia at the time. This is a film I'm actually finding myself choking up just talking about it. I got about half an hour into this and... I took a massive panic attack. If I'm honest, I have never, and I like even compared to my other choices, I have never ever taken such a strong reaction to a film. You know, Jennifer Kent 
has said in interviews that there was no point in sugarcoating what life was like for for women in that era, particularly surrounded by soldiers, and especially because women, you know, were often poor and illiterate and had no choices in so many situations. And as I say, there's a scene about half an hour in where I actually had to leave the room because I, I I couldn't watch any more of it but once I'd sort of calmed down and decided to sort of let my fiance watch the next kind of half hour by himself I kind of crept back into the room to watch the rest of it and it is a very compelling story you are sort of you know you're really rooting for Claire and her Aboriginal helper Billy played by Bikali Ganambar you are kind of rooting for them when they go on this quest together but it is you know it's brutal it's relentless and there's just there's no time to catch your breath usually with these types of films you get a wee minute where you can kind of go okay exhale but actually Jennifer Kent really doesn't give you that and it's it's such a different film from The Babadook and it is total testament to to Jennifer Kent's capabilities both as a writer as a director but I don't think I could put myself through that again, if I'm honest. You guys seen it? I have seen it, and I can only totally agree with you. There is a couple of scenes early on. Now, it was flagged up to me before I actually watched that there was a particularly horrific scene quite early on, which I wouldn't go into, obviously, because I don't want to spoil anything. And when what I thought was the scene was over, I thought that wasn't too bad. But then the real scene actually was about five minutes yeah. later. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's totally brutal and like you say it's unrelenting it just keeps going and keeps going same with we need to talk about kevin you you want to know what's happening and you want to follow the story you want to try and understand why the film was made in the first place and the story it was trying to tell it's bleak to say the least it's not yeah. sugarcoated in any way right up until the the, the very very end of the film it is bleak as hell but Yes, it's definitely one that I was glad that I watched and I will never, ever watch it again. should say that if anyone is going to watch this, I'm going to say, you know, trigger warning for sexual assault and it's it's, it's very, very graphic. So if, if you do get uncomfortable with that sort of thing, it's, it's maybe not one that you should watch. But for anyone that thinks they can handle it, I do recommend seeing it because it is a very good story, but it's it's extremely graphic. Thomas? It's a fucking laugh right? this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Well, it's not going to get any better with my choice, unfortunately. I've went with Gaspar Noe's Irreversible, starring Monica Bellucci and Vincent Cassell. This film is infamous for a very particular scene. Now, I'm going to be slightly spoilery when it comes to this movie, and it's not to do how long it's been out for. It's kind of similar to what you were saying there, Mary, about the trigger warning. Mm-hmm. This is a movie you shouldn't go in cold. You should know exactly what to, what to expect, because no matter how prepared you think you are, it will still shock you. It tells a story of Vincent Cassell and his friend who, at the beginning of the movie, brutally murdered this man. And the film is told in a reverse chronology. And as the story works backwards, you find out why they've been seeking vengeance. And it's because Monica Bellucci has been brutally and violently raped. The rape scene lasts for about 10 minutes, and it's horrendous. It's just one shot, and it's you're just willing for it to end. You're like, please, please stop this. And when the scene is finished, it hasn't happened. And that makes it even more uncomfortable. And then the rest of the film's told is the build-up to that scene. And that's the most horrifying part of it. As you're watching them, they're enjoying their life, everything's happy, and you're just like, you have no idea what's going to come. And that actually, it's not a gimmick, it being told backwards. It really adds to the horror of the movie. And 
yeah, it's brutally violent. It's horrendous, horrendous to watch. It really is. But from a technical point of view, it's an absolutely fantastic film. It's incredibly well done. And I always recommend people to watch it. But not because, oh, here's just put us on a Friday night, some popcorn, a few beers, get the care. It's not, it's not a date movie, you know, it's not, it's not something you sit and enjoy the movie. <laughs> that yeah, exactly. He said this was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but from a, from a film, from a technical point of view, and just as a, a piece of art, it's incredible. It really is. And it, you only need to see it once. You really do. It's not something that I really think merits a rewatch value to it. I used to have it in DVD. I lost it between moves. And I was tempted to buy it again, just so I had it. But I knew I'd never watch it, and I never did repurchase it. But I said, like like other picks and same with your picks, I would recommend people watch it. If it's kind of it's kind of hard to recommend, though, yeah. being the kind of film it is. But yeah. technically, how it's made from an auteur point of view, it's it's incredible. But it's absolutely harrowing and brutal. And the performances, Monica Bocci and Vincent Cassell, I, I love both of them. They're absolutely great actors. They're amazing in this. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's a hard watch, it really is. Yeah, but it is a brilliant film, technically. The soundtrack's incredible. It's a sort of masterclass and like, sort of an introduction to, to Gaspar Noe and who he is as a director. And as you say, the two leads are, are really, really outstanding. And, it, and as you say, it's the reverse chronology is not a gimmick because you spend the whole film knowing exactly what's going to happen to this to this woman and that's what makes it it does it makes it feel a whole bunch worse but it's a really good pick Simi it's a great film you mentioned the soundtrack there as well uh there's that really unsettling draining noise that goes through the movie mm-hmm. for the most part this the score is the score you could, you could listen to the score on its own without the visuals and it would make you feel similar to it. it's the whole thing is just incredibly put together. It really is. You haven't seen it, John, but is it something that's on your list? It has been for a while, but it's not one that I'm actively thinking about watching just based on what I've heard from you guys and what I've just read about it in general. It's not one of these. I think you have to be in a sort of certain mindset to actually sit down and watch it. Like, say, it's not a Friday night, couple of beers. Come on, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see that nice Monica Bellucci. Yeah. But yes, yeah, I think at a- one point, Maybe one of my darker moments, I'll sit down and watch it just to, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> if the lockdown goes on much longer. As a film fan, you really need to see it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I would agree. I don't, I, don't, I don't make a recommendation to watch it lightly. Be warned, it's not for the faint-hearted to say the least. Okay, my... Second choice is something just a little later than what we've been talking about so far, but not very much, to be honest. It is Never Let Me Go, which is a film from 2010, directed by Mark Romanek and a screenplay by Alex Garland, who has obviously gone on to much bigger and better things. It's based in the book by Kazu Ishiguro and stars Carrie Mulligan, Kira Knightley and Andrew Garfield. The, the sort of one line pitch for this film is it's a love triangle set in an alternative reality. Now there's so much more going on with this film. Basically it opens up with a title screen that says there was a medical breakthrough in the 1950s that allowed human beings to live far beyond 100 years and then we are 
we cut to this boarding school where all these small children are basically growing up in isolation from the rest of the world. And it turns out without, well, I mean, obviously it comes from a book and everything, so I'm not really spoiling it, that basically these children are spare parts. And this is what actually allows people to extend their life by basically harvesting their organs once they reach a certain age and if somebody gets kidney disease then one of them gets their kidneys taken out and obviously this can only happen a couple of times before they become well you call it inviable but really they die on the operating table so these three obviously form a special bond when they're just small children in the school this goes on when they actually leave the school and they actually end up living in a cottage together and there's always rumors with the fact that there, there may be some sort of reprieve from actually doing any sort of donations based on the fact if they are in some sort of relationship so two of them form a relationship which actually angers one of the other ones causes a bit of a split between them and the story then takes them in the direction that they're trying to figure out whether this reprieve is actually a real thing or it's not a real thing now you've got this horrific sort of idea in the background about basically using people for their organs and in the front of it is this quite sweet and tender love story between two people and in between another two people it works really really well obviously i've talked about the cast the cast are absolutely fantastic in this film it's done in such a low-key way that you get drawn into just their personal domestic problems and all their interactions together. It's just, it's lovely. And then obviously you've always got this thing in the background as well. And as you can guess, without even, without really having much thought, it's, it's not going to end well for anybody in this. <laughs> <laughs> and that, for that very reason, again, it, it, there's a theme running through all of my picks and it's the, the way that uh, the, the films actually make you feel when you're watching them and when you're thinking about them afterwards. It's ones that you're glad you experienced them but again, you, you really don't want to experience that again because there are so many films out there with sort of similar themes and everything that you can experience through them. You don't need to go back to one particular film in order to do that. Have either of you seen this film? Yeah, I've seen it. It absolutely done nothing for me <laughs> when I watched it. And the, the themes in that just fell flat. I'm a big fan of the cast, big fan of Alex Garland. I watched this with some high hopes and I just found it dull. Oh, no, I, like John's description of it there, I haven't seen it, but your description of it there, I was like, oh, I really want to go and watch this now. I was like, I want to watch it again, based on John's description. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean, it's kind of one of those films that, uh, you know, depends on the mood sometimes you watch a film, exactly. how much you're really taking in and stuff like that. But yeah, I just, it didn't do anything for me. When I watched it, I was surprised you picked it, only because I didn't get any of those same thoughts or feelings from it at all. Nope perfectly valid it would be a far more bleak place if we all had the same opinions all the time wouldn't it just wait till the day a podcast <laughs> i am so intrigued by this is this on netflix or prime or anything i really want to watch it i'm not sure it'll be out there somewhere because it was as, as i said it was 10 years ago it will be around somewhere We'll put it on the show notes if yeah, it is out there. That does sound good. So I'm up next. Like I think I've just noticed actually that all of my picks are from writer directors. My next pick is from writer director Mel Gibson. Not everyone's favourite choice. 2004's Passion of the Christ, which basically is the story of the last 12 hours of the life of Jesus Christ 
according to the Bible. This is a, a hard watch for a lot of reasons. And I think at the time, a lot of people walked out of it. You know, it's in Aramaic. It's it's really, really intense. It's extremely violent, which, of course, what would you expect from a film that ultimately, you know, leads to, to crucifixion? It was a really hard watch for, for so many reasons. And I think that, like, growing up, like, you've heard the story of, you know, well, maybe you haven't. I don't know. I'm from a really big Irish Catholic family. But, you know, you hear the story about, you know, what happens at Easter time from, you know, Good Friday right round to, to Easter Sunday. And, you know, Jesus died on the cross and all that sort of thing. And you sort of take it in and you never really think about it. Mel Gibson, obviously, being quite devoutly religious himself, has obviously put a lot of thought into it. And the violence just doesn't really stop. It's, you know, it has all your sort of key moments within that time period. You know, the, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Pontius Pilate, the, the whipping and I remember at the time watching the whipping scene and I was just like please stop because it was so it went on for what seemed like ages I mean you can literally see like chunks of skin like flying off Jesus back Jesus played by Jim Caviezel it's it's really really graphic it doesn't again it doesn't seem to stop it doesn't give you time to sort of pause it's got a really good cast it also has um, Monica Bellucci in it she's playing Mary Magdalene and Luca Leonello does a really really good performance as, as Judas because it sort of ties in these kind of supernatural elements of the devil sort of appearing to Judas in different forms and you know obviously encouraging him to to betray Jesus it's a really interesting watch I think even if you're not particularly into religion or whatever I think you can appreciate it as a really well-made film but for me the intensity of the violence was too much and again it left me quite shaken when I watched it and for and it's quite lengthy as well and so for that reason I would not go back to this but again I appreciate it it's a really really well crafted film i do think mel gibson directs really really well and this is no different have you guys seen it i have not seen it and the only thing i really know about the film is a six second clip that was on youtube there was a a youtube channel that was doing films in six seconds and they did the passion of the christ and it was basically jesus and then jesus screaming and that was it right yeah (laughs) that's the whole film for me but apart from that i have i have not seen this and it's there's a, a, a short list of films that I have that I have never seen and I probably never will. And I think this falls into that category because, you know, it's a bit of a spoiler. I know how it ends being, being from a Catholic <laughs> background, you know. <laughs> you know, you want a bit of surprise, a bit of suspense. Will he get away at the end? No. <laughs> yeah, you want it to be like Life of Brian where he's like, crucifixions? Oh, no thanks, they said I could go. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, ever, did you ever see that Saturday Night Live sketch with Christoph Waltz and it's a Passion of the Christ too? No. And it's him like coming, directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's him like coming from the, the cave. Uh-huh. He's got the machine gun and stuff. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'll find the clip and send you. It's brilliant. But I have seen this. I have seen this. And mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It's not something I would watch again. I think it's a brilliant movie. It's incredibly well done because it makes you feel something. And it's hard to see a film's bad if it doesn't make you feel, you know, it makes you feel disgust, mm-hmm. make you feel shame, sadness, whatever. This film does make you feel. And even it's just two, two and a half hours of Jesus getting battled, mm-hmm. really. It very is just, there's not much plot-wise to it. Substance-wise, there's a lot to thematically, there's a lot. But it really, it's just Jesus getting a kick in yeah. for about uh, two hours. And there's one scene in particular where the cat and nine tails, I think it is. That's for the one I was um, talking about. You can literally just see whole big like strips of flesh coming off with the, with the cat. It's, it, 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 catch, it goes to pull it, but it kind of catches mm-hmm. in the skin. So the the guys like pull it twice in quick succession. You're just like, oh, 
Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I don't even know how much about the film I remember, other than just because of this, because I know what happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar with the the plot, but on a kind of lighter note, Jim Caviezel, I think his name, always reminds me of Family Guy. When they're speaking about it, I'm going to go, Yeah, and they can't pronounce his name. Caviezel? Caviezel? Is that That was exactly in my head when I went to go and see his name earlier, and I was like, please just let me get this right. Yes. A very good pick. For my second pick, I went for 2001 film directed by Larry Clark, Bully. Bobby and I have been friends since we were like almost born. Great Dally treats everyone like shit. So what are you gonna do, Lisa? He's the source of everybody's troubles. What are you really gonna do this? This guy deserves to die. Dead! 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 This tells a story of a group of friends who are being bullied and harassed by their friend, in inverted commas, Bobby, played by Nick Stahl. And Bobby's a prick. He's a horrible, horrible person. He just, as the title suggests, bullies his pals. But it's not just even like playful bullying. He's a horrible, horrible person. He humiliates them. He beats them up. even rapes one of them, sexually assaults them. And you can imagine they've had enough of your shit and they all conspire together to murder them. I won't say too much more about the film other than that. I don't want to give any spoilers away to how it ends. I think the plot is fairly well known to be fair and it is based on a true story. It's horrible. It's an absolutely horrible movie. And I watched it for the first time. So I started watching it for the first time like over a decade ago in my mate's house for a few beers and he went, oh, you need to see this film and they put it on. We watched it the first five minutes and I went, mate, this isn't a beer film. I don't know what kind of sick mind you have. <laughs> and it's just, it's really gritty. It's grimy. It's got a heightened sense of realism that it could, that it doesn't look like a documentary, but it could be a documentary the way it's shot in terms of just how real everything seems. And It's horrible. It's just, that's the best way to describe it. But it's such a good, <laughs> technically good movie. It's, it deserves all the praise it gets from critics. It's got a bit of a legacy as well. I think it's one of those movies that's been looked upon more favourably from critics going back at a time. People weren't able to shoot to think about it. It's very, very controversial. Um, if anybody's seen Larry Clark's kids, he's not a filmmaker that kind of likes to <laughs> mince about with his subjects, so uh, he doesn't do anything by any half measures. The fact that the cast were so young as well, and uh, there's nude scenes and sex scenes in this movie, really made people feel uncomfortable. And it should. The film's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. And the the third act, where I won't say we'll go into much kind of detail spoilers, but... <sighs> Yeah, it's it's not the film you go back and watch it. I, c- I can't see why I'd, anybody would want to go and watch this film again. But it is uh, a very good film in terms of how it's done. And Kids actually was also close to making it on this list, but Bully was a lot more fresh in my mind, so I picked that. Have any seen it? No, and from your description, I don't think I want to. <laughs> I have. I saw it just after it came out, and I can only agree with you. Is a brutal film from beginning to end. It's made me so uncomfortable watching it just because of the way that the, the starkness of the, the treatment of people, as you say, the way he bullied people and the way that they eventually reacted to him as well. It's, oh yeah, it's one that, again, I would never ever go back and see. You know, life's too short for 
things like that. And obviously the film came with a, a bit of a reputation beforehand because it was a Larry Clark film, as you say. He has a bit of a reputation for making provocative statements and calling them out. But he's been called out a few times on that now, really, hasn't he? He's been yeah had a, a few problems with his films, critical reception for him. Some people are saying he's doing it for the sake of causing a bit of controversy rather than actually trying to explore a subject. It's a bit of a there was a bit of a debate going on for a number of years regarding his filmmaking. So it's definitely that kind of same debate regarding this. A lot of critics thought it was very exploitative and I never thought that to be fair when I watched it. Uh, I did think the, the realism in it was almost too real mm-hmm. to the extent that made you feel very uncomfortable because sometimes a film should be an escapism and it's entertainment. This was almost too real to its detriment in a way, the way it was portraying things. But at the same time, very serious subject matters. Why should it be glossed? Why should it be done in a more kind of with more sheen, with more polish? And even where again, not going to get too much kind of detail when they confront Bobby after all he's done to them. Even how that's handled, it's a revenge film, but it's not the kind of film you end up cheering for those seeking the revenge because because of how it's done. And yeah, it's oh. Even just think, about, even just thinking about it is horrendous. Yeah, it comes across more like a comes across more like a, a documentary more than anything else, doesn't it? It's because of the ultra realism. It's like news, you know. It's like unfiltered news, if you like. The it's not sugar coated in any way. You're not allowed to root for anybody in it, which is no. good, obviously. But that's the kind of a standard trope within Hollywood films that somebody's right somebody's wrong you know a black hat white hat kind of idea and he obviously avoids doing that and were the actors like were they known names or and and did they look quite young i, I haven't seen i don't have any knowledge of this at all like did they look like preteen or whatever or and were they quite well-known actors or uh, michael pitt's in it all right okay yeah and nick style he's he's been on it but he's probably the biggest name in it it's not mm-hmm. anything rachel milner is in it Brad Renfro. I feel like I know the name, but maybe don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell how young they were in the movie, but mm-hmm. they did look young. Um, yeah, it was sort of teens, wasn't yeah. it really? Yeah. I think so, maybe mid, mid to late teens, a push, if even. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the characters were supposed to be that age, but do you think you watch it, Mary? I mean, part of me's intrigued, but the other half of me's like, I can't, I can't have another Nightingale experience, because yeah. I actually thought I was going to like vomit watching that if it felt like extreme extreme and i've watched a lot of stuff like i've watched irreversible and i could i actually think i could sit and watch irreversible again because sexual assault aside i really like i like the movie i like how it's structured i love the soundtrack i love the performances but i don't know if i could watch like just the way you're just describing it it just it sounds so grim and i I don't know part of me's intrigued the other part of me's like oh i don't know if i could put myself through that yeah not everything's popcorn tastic and <laughs> superheroes jumping out of portals <laughs> john what is your last pick my last pick is the 1974 film a woman under the influence well, you, you know everybody is mabel for everybody Mabel's not crazy. She's unusual. Tell me what you want me to be, how you want me to be. I can be that. I can be anything. You tell me. Mabel's a delicate, sensitive woman. And the reason I'm worried is that uh, you've been acting a little strange. Uh, uh, I, I wonder if you've been aware of that or not. 
directed by John Cassavetes and starring Gina Rones and Peter Falk. One line tag for this is it's a domestic drama, <laughs> <laughs> which can be expanded on so much more. The Los Angeles housewife Mabel, played by Gina Rones, is a bit of a troubled soul. She is very much in love with her husband, Nick, played by Peter Falk and probably a career best role, I would say. She wants to do everything for him. She wants to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother to her children. But unfortunately, she has a suspected mental illness, which she tries to keep to herself. But it comes out when she is in company, when she starts to get stressed. And under these circumstances, she starts to behave erratically, saying the wrong thing, trying to overcompensate all the time. And this worries her husband so much that he reluctantly agrees to have her committed for six months. So she goes away for six months. And after that time, it's decided that she's well enough to come home. So she does come home and she is obviously not anywhere near ready. And everything spirals really out of control from there. Her husband, Nick, is not in the best sort of mindset either. He has his own issues. He's got an ideal of what family life should be like, what married life should be like. He he keeps calling back to a time when they were happy together and things were simpler, which is basically before the, the children were born. And... It's really all about how they interact with each other and how it's not really anybody's fault, but it really, really spirals so far out of control towards the end. It's it's harrowing to watch and it's not harrowing because there's any violence or any real sort of shouting or anything. It's all got to do with the tension within the relationship. You're actually rooting for both of them. You want them to succeed. You want them to be able to resolve whatever differences and whatever problems they've got. And it just never seems to work out. They never seem to sort of catch a break at all. It's such an upsetting film to watch. Now, this film itself had all sorts of bother. Surprisingly, nobody wanted to make it. (laughs) Peter Falk actually put up half a million dollars of his own money to make it. And it's the first independent film in the United States that managed to get a release without actually having any sort of backing at all. Basically, they took it around cinemas and showed it and did Q&As in order to get the word out there. Eventually, I think it was Richard Dreyfuss that had seen it. I could be wrong in that. And he talked about it on a talk show. And from there, it went really, really big. It was up for Oscars, Golden Globes, won awards for Gina Rowans, especially for her performance, which is a wee bit over the top, but it's absolutely heartbreaking to watch it. Now, the way that this film makes you feel, or makes me feel in particular, is really sort of sadness and just, it's, it's quite a depressing film to watch. Again, it's not something that you'd want to sit down on a Friday night and watch with, with a couple of beers. You really have to be in the right mindset to watch this. I've seen it. I loved it. I never want to put it on again. Have either of you seen this? I've not yeah, seen it, no. I have. I watched it because I love Columbo. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. I said, oh my God, Peter Fox in this, I should watch this. Oh my God. I, As you say, John, you are, you're rooting for them both. You just want this to work so much. It's so, so sad, so heartbreaking. Again, it kind of offers up sort of real commentary on the pressures of this sort of ideal kind of family life and, you know, how seriously or, or not, you know, mental health is taken. But I absolutely loved it. It's a great pick. 
I know what you mean about Peter Falk for so many people, including myself. Columbo is the sort of touchstone. It's the only yeah. thing we've seen him in, but he's been in a couple of films. He was in Wings of Desire as well. Obviously, yeah, you've seen that. And he's fantastic in it. He's yeah. such a good actor, and it's just a shame that he's only remembered for this one role. Fair enough, it was a very good role, but, you know. Have you read his biography? No, I have not. It's, he talks about this movie in the biography and how they had to, you know, raise the money and really you know like go around showing it but he's he actually has real love and affection for it and his biography is great it literally is just like ramblings nothing's in chronological order it's just different stories they've obviously popped into his head and they've put them into chapter form but he talks about this with kind of he says it was you know emotionally draining and quite exhausting but he he loved making this movie so thomas you've never seen it i take it never seen it no yeah i was on a bit of a John Cassavetes kick for a while there. I went, I'd obviously seen him in the was it the Dirty Dozen, I think, mm-hmm. and and then I, I read some stuff about him and realised he was a sort of pi- pioneering indie filmmaker from the 1970s, and I wanted to see a bit a wee bit more. So I watched the likes of that and The Killing a Chinese Bookie and a couple others, and they're all brilliant films, but they're all very dark. He gives no quarter at all, <laughs> but definitely worth checking out. My last pick is the 2016 Australian film Hounds of Love. I first saw this at the Glasgow Film Festival. It's, I think it's the directorial debut and writing debut from from Ben Young. And basically it tells the story of this kind of middle-aged couple, John and Emma, and they basically go out in their car and pick up young girls to rape and torture them over the period of a weekend and then murder them and dispose of their bodies on a Monday. And if that's not grim enough, the film starts by placing you sort of in their car, watching them watch a group of young girls play netball. And from the start, there's like it makes you feel really like dirty because you're in this car watching these young girls and it really the camera really slows down over like you know their skirts and their little crop tops and it just it makes you feel really uncomfortable right from the offset on the sort of the kind of side story from this is, is the young girl vicky who's having real problems with her her parents they've divorced she's living with her mum typical teen stuff she wants to go to a party her mum says no so she sneaks out the house and of course she's picked up by this couple what I think got to me about this film is that you don't actually, you don't see anything. Like, you you absolutely do not see anything, but you hear. And that's what lived with me. There's a particular scene where the couple have her tied to a bed and the woman just really slowly closes the door. You just hear it click. And then there is a sound that comes out of that young girl that I have never ever heard before it is like a a wounded animal she lets out this scream that just goes on and on and on and you're of course your your own head is messing with you because you don't know what's going on in that room but you have a fairly good guess as to what's going on in that room and you know ultimately what her fate might be because you've seen the pattern that they've you know picked up over the course of the film it's extremely well acted i don't think there's a bad performance in it it's very very tense because obviously you're sort of willing the character of vicky to escape and you know you're you're thinking of different ways as to how she might do that and you're looking for clues around the house as to how she might do that you know really really good performance from stephen curry as john i think he's a stand-up comedian in australia but he's utterly like sinister you know total small man syndrome really really just an, an awful disgusting character and again I came out the cinema absolutely shaken 
after I had seen this, my hands were physically shaking and I was like, oh, I never, ever want to watch that again. It was just, yeah, it's one of those films where you don't see anything, but you don't have to see anything. The performances are so good that it just it just gets under your skin. But that is my last pick. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It's not really, it's not been kind of wild, widely released anywhere, I don't think. You put me off watching it. I think you talked about it at the time after seeing it at the film festival and I thought, one to avoid. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So, Sammy, have you seen it? I haven't. I remember you. I remember the time you watched it. You speaking about it and saying some of the stuff you were saying there. You went a lot more detail there, and I'm intrigued. I do. I do watch films that will challenge me, and my not just my morals, but my endurance, my, what I can watch and what I can't. And it sounds like a a very well done movie, although not a very easy watch, but. I think it's something I do do want to see though. Yeah, as I say, you don't you don't see it, unlike kind of the other films that we talked about, where you definitely the violence is front and center. Like there's definitely nothing here, but it's more kind of what your mind does to you, I think, more than anything else. And plus, it's a kind of you know teen sort of kidnap drama, and there was a kind of spate a while ago where there was like you know loads of people going missing. I think within the UK, so it does kind of bring it all bring it all home a wee bit but again a really interesting performance from as I say Stephen Curry who is I think I believe a, a stand-up comedian and yet he is just disgusting here interesting <laughs> your last uh, pick then Simmy yeah for my last pick I haven't went with a film that I found harrowing disturbing difficult to watch in that kind of way but it's a movie I know I prob I don't think I'd watch it ever again but I'm glad I watched it and it's Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 Apocalypse Now Starring Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall, Marlon Brando, and Dennis Hopper. And this film really did much of an introduction. It's considered a, a classic movie. It always tops. It's, it's usually in a critic's top ten list when talking about our best films ever. It stars Martin Sheen as Captain Willard during the Vietnam War. And he's been assigned a secret mission to go and assassinate Colonel Kurtz who is played by Marlon Brando. Now, Kurtz is wanted for murder, and he's presumed went insane. He's been renegade and just doing his own thing during the war. And Martin Sheen's character's just to kill him. No, no due process, no arrest him. Court martial just take him out. This movie's brilliant. I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, it's, it's a long movie. I watched the, the final cut, which had an extra 20 minutes added on to it. That was 20, as I, there was some bits in that that could have been taken out, to be fair. Particularly a scene when they go and meet some French soldiers, and they've got the name kind of set up in the jungle in this house, and it's just, it's, that whole scene could have been taken out of it. But the rest of the movie works so well. I think Martin Sheen was going through alcohol problems at the time, and I believe one of the scenes, Coppola just... Get, got him, just let him get drunk and have a meltdown. And you watch this scene in context for the movie, it doesn't even really make much sense. And so many scenes in the movie just exist for the, they feel they exist for the sake of existing. And as Martin Sheen goes up the river and comes across different people and different soldiers and different enemies, it's, it's very episodic in a way. And it's a hard, hard watch because of that. It's not this straight linear, linear narrative. It's not an easy film to digest. There's so much happening in it. There's so many themes to take on board. And it's a, a beautiful shot. The soundtrack is amazing. You've got the, the end for the doors playing throughout it at times. And the performances are excellent as well. And technically, it was rife with production problems. And 
it's amazing they've got the film made. I just don't see me ever watching it again. I haven't seen the final cut. I watched it in the cinema, which I thought to myself, they never shown a re-release. This is the best time to go and see it. I can sit and watch it uninterrupted. I'm not going to pause it to go and make a cup of tea. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm just going to watch it from start to finish. And I'm glad I did. And because of that, I don't see me ever watching it on DVD or Netflix. I just, I just can't see me watching this film in a house. And I don't think it would do it justice. But I'm glad about seeing the cinema, and I'd recommend this to anybody that hasn't seen it. It really is as good as the hype makes it out to be. But I wouldn't watch it again. There's, there's, I don't think it's got a, a rewatch value for me personally. I don't know what I would get from it to watch it a second time. I take it you've both seen it. Yeah, it's one of the biggest films ever. Obviously, followed up his period where he'd done the Godfather films and the Conversation. And as you say, there was a hell of a troubled production on it that's one of the reasons why i have gone back and watched it It took me a couple of goes to watch it initially i was told oh you need to watch this film it's great you know like you said vietnam martin sheen character captain willard having a a meltdown pretty much all the way through the film as well but it took me maybe two or three goes to watch the film because of the pacing of it and the episodic nature it didn't really catch me and i just had to sit down force myself to actually sit and watch the whole thing with nobody else around, no distractions, all that kind of thing, and got through it. After Final Cut came out, they brought out a special Blu-ray edition of it, which had the entire film and the documentary that Mm -hmm. Coppola's wife made, Hearts of Darkness it's called, and when you watch that, you want to go back and watch the film again. That kind of made me go back because it's just, it's crazier than anything that actually is on screen during the film. It's such a brilliant take on the problems that film crews have when you're filming in let's say less than ideal situations and locations i mean this took a couple of years i believe and they they had typhoons and all sorts of problems whole sets were destroyed and martin sheen had a heart attack did he not during it at one point he was out of the out of the game for a while he had all sorts of he'd health problems as well as his uh, very well documented drinking problems but what comes out of it you you get a lot of catchphrases you know charlie don't surf all this sort of stuff you know mm-hmm. i love the smell of napalm in the morning it's just it's a great film i would actually watch this again i think i've maybe seen it maybe two or three times now i do have the the blu-ray sitting behind me on the shelf there which i have bought but i have not yet cracked open but yeah it's definitely something i'll go and watch again Loved it. You actually made me, you actually made me want to go and watch it again now, John. You've kind of just destroyed my pick there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I agree no, with Simi. I don't know if I could watch it again. Um, like you, John, I had a couple of false starts with this where I tried to watch it and I thought, ugh, this doesn't really do anything for me. But like, it was one of those films like I felt like I should see because of you know the sort of mythical nature surrounding it. And once I did watch it, I was glad that I had. But it is, it's episodic. It's very, like, it's almost like a fever dream at times. Like you're kind of like, oh, how did we get from, you know, this to that? Like, it, it almost kind of, not that it doesn't make sense, but it does kind of, you have to concentrate and you have to focus. But I'm kind of with Simi on this. I don't, I don't actually think I could watch that again. The performances are great. The soundtrack is great. And as you say, it's given way to a, a few kind of, like, iconic film lines, but I'm, I'm not quite sure I could sit down and, and do that again. Yeah, interesting. If you just remember, I, I tried to watch it in the house a couple of times, and I've actually seen, I don't know if it's that documentary I've seen, John, but I've seen a documentary on it. Mm-hmm. And it was very in-depth on oh, in the production of it. And it was on TV one night. It shows a documentary in the movie. And I managed to watch the documentary. And I went, yeah, I need to see this now. And I just, like I said, I put it on. And I can never get really more than 10, 15 minutes into it. I'm like, this is just not grabbing me. 
at yeah. all. And that's when they came out in the cinema. I was glad. I thought to myself, right, I've got no choice. I, I've, got a, I've got a rule that I just never leave a film, regardless how bad it is. I might go for a nap during that, uh, <laughs> but I, I won't leave. I'll stay to the end. And with this, so I mean, it, it, it took me a while even then to get into it. But when I was hooked, I was hooked. And I didn't even want, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to take my eyes off the screen. I can't recommend it enough as a movie. It's a fantastic, bright movie. There's nothing as harrowing or disturbing as our previous choices. I just don't imagine me sitting watching it again unless they bring out a, another cut in a few years' time. I might go, ah, let's see if the missus wants to go and see it. If she's not seen it. Other than that, I, I know I'm not going to buy it in DVD and watch it in the house. I'm not going to do that. It's an incredible movie. It really left an imprint on me in terms of how it's done. And... It's so artistically superior to our films at that time. Not so as I said, not our films at that time, but it's just it's got a certain element to it that lifts it above a typical Hollywood blockbuster, which in a way this was with a big budget. And you kind of mentioned The Godfather, John. Um, I mentioned the length of this movie. The Godfather's longer. I could watch The Godfather on a loop, but it with this, feel longer. It's, just, it's, it's draining. It drains you by the end. And not because you're like, oh, I'm glad that's done. It's just because it's so emotionally demanding yep. yeah totally i do agree with okay so it was done then i believe so like we said we do recommend these films if you haven't seen them they're not easy watches you may get around to them because you're running out of stuff to watch in the house now after you've completed netflix prime now tv shudder arrow whatever else you've signed up to <laughs> but that's your choices if there's any films you want to discuss that we've missed or maybe agree with us disagree with us you can always let us know uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Movie Scramble. And you can always email us at podcast at moviescramble.co.uk. Is there anything else anybody wants to mention? The sweet video, the reaction to the hey, Avengers, if you wanted to think that's doing the rounds on Twitter just now. Yeah, this, this is an interesting kind of little debate. They kind of opened up on Twitter last night when somebody went and shared a video of the opening night of Avengers Endgame. Now, I'm going to mention a spoiler here. If you haven't seen Avengers Endgame by now, and care about the movie, that's on you. It's been out for a while. <laughs> okay? It's been out for a while. You're stuck in the house quarantined. Nothing has stopped you if you see this film from now. If you're a Marvel fan. So, here's a spoiler. Feel free to cut off now. Who's your warning? 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. But yeah, on Twitter, somebody went and shared the clip of the movie in the opening night, and it's when Captain America grabs the hammer. This clip has been quite divisive amongst film fans as the crowd are very rowdy. There's a lot of cheers and whooping and it's like a gig almost. It's, it's very celebratory. And I had two things about that. In one hand, I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool because I felt that way watching the movie. And I wanted to go, yes, get in there. And some people in the cinema screen I was at did do that, but not to the level this clip did. And if I was watching this film for the first time and that happened, I think it may have taken me out my experience and put me into somebody else's experience. And that could have annoyed me. I can only say could have, because I've never actually, never actually happened. I've never experienced it to that level. Did you watched the clip, Mary. What did you think? I'm like you. I'm torn, because part of me thought it was really sweet, and it was really, like, here's a moment where a whole bunch of strangers are coming together out of their shared love of, of this particular type of cinema, and just their, you know, their, their love of, of cinema in general. And it does feel nice to be part of that kind of community because I had the same reaction although not as, as loud but the, I, but on the flip side of that I'm the first person to complain if somebody like you know rustles a sweetie 
in the cinema. I like my cinema going experience to be very, very immersive. And, you know, we're, we're all sitting in the dark focusing and nobody's disturbing each other. So I am torn. I'm torn between, do you know what? It's, it's just joy. It's just people expressing joy. And the, as you said, it, it would take you out of the actual experience of watching it. So I am a wee bit torn on that clip. What's your thoughts, John? It's a particular moment if you like in the film and it's also you've got to take into consideration it was open night so people are very much hyped mm-hmm. for this film it has turned out to be the biggest film of all time so a lot of people were really looking forward to a lot of things in that film that moment was one that was trailed before if you like in one of the previous films so you can understand people's reaction to it i can i can see why people would do that now if you're doing that two months down the line when you're sitting in the cinema with about a dozen <laughs> other people and you start cheering then yeah you're, you're fair game somebody's going to take a swipe at you i think but i can fully understand why they would do that it's a it's a big event and a lot of people who were there were actually proper fans who were very much invested in it and is a, a kind of a release because they, this in that moment and the sort of moments around that they saw they saw a lot of stuff that had been really get getting built up for a number of films in a number of years it wasn't just that i, I would imagine that it was it maybe like with the portals and things like that there would be probably a similar reaction that's the that's the moment that actually gets me every single time when i watch that film when it's the portals when it's a on your left moment and just oh oh dear they show that cl- they show that clip as well actually all right yeah. okay yeah, I'll, I'll change the clip and see what you think. Because interestingly enough, when I first seen the clip, the clip I seen last night was clearly a DVD rip with the original sound over it. But yeah. when I first seen that clip with, this, with the same kind of noise, it was from a video, it was from a mobile, mobile phone. And then it starts to take on a different kind of meaning for me. So somebody's sitting, filming the movie, looking for that, looking to form their reaction watching it. And I don't think that's a time and a the place then. No, they're, they're not in the moment then, are they? If they're oh, actually... No. If they're there, they should be sitting watching the film because if you think about how many people would want to be at the opening night mm-hmm. of that film and then you've got some clown sitting actually filming it just to exactly. look for a reaction just for the hits online. Yeah, I suppose exactly. when you look at it that way, yeah. Aye. And that's where it comes in. It comes into people saying, oh, I just I need my likes. I need to get my likes up. And there's a, a thing with wrestling fans where it's quite popular where the crowd will try and hijack the match and make themselves part of the show by certain chants and whatever. And that's what that's the that's what I got from it. Where the audience like, no, you're the audience. Just enjoy it. And again mm-hmm. I'm talking about it because on one hand I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool by cheering and I felt the same way. But on the other hand I'm like, ah, just, just watch it. Because <laughs> you keep pissing somebody off. I mean you watch your clip, you can't actually hear the dialogue. No, you can't. But I think the thing about that clip is that it wasn't just like what what I'm gathering from it is that it wasn't just one or two people it was like the whole cinema together and I kind of get the impression obviously I'm making judgments on like a 30 second clip that these are people who would probably see that film again and again and again so actually in a way it almost doesn't matter that they missed the dialogue it was a whole room of people just feeling the same joy at the same time but I get what you're saying about the mobile phone thing like if I, if I hate when you see that wee light flashing somewhere in the the screen and you're like somebody's on their phone and you you literally your your eyes are boring into the back of their head like feel my anger feel how, feel how annoyed i am feel how much i want you to put your phone away but yeah it's a kind of it's a bit of a divisive clip isn't it i suppose yeah and it's very cultural as well because it's not something you really kind of get in british cinemas and it's, it's also american cinemas mm. where affairs from people 
as a different going to cinema in America as a different experience. Oh yeah, I mean you can get ways. like dinner when you go to like I remember going to one of the cinemas in America and it was like you could buy like you know whole pizzas or like McDonald's or like some sort of fast food equivalent to take and there was people walking around with like chicken and gravy like going to the cinema and like you know I remember the days back in the good old days when you would like smuggle in your your pick and mix or your Haribos because you thought that was you being really daring but no like cinema in America is wild. I remember I was at cinema years ago and a guy who smuggled in a Burger King and you should have seen this guy eating it so covertly. He would unwrap it, look about, <laughs> take a bite, look around, chew it very subtly. And I, I was I watched this guy through the during the trailers like that's amazing. This is so tense. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That's really funny. Okay. Well, if that's us, uh, anybody got any shout outs? Nope. Quite weak this week. Oh well, thanks to the People's Movies for including us on their list of podcasts that people should listen to during lockdown. Yeah, good show, actually. Good good, uh, good to remember on that one. Very mm-hmm. thanks for that. Much appreciated. Do appreciate the support from our peers. We I had no show outside. We were in quite company there as well, weren't we? Oh, Sorry. yeah, I mean, we were in amongst oh, Yeah, like, definitely. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I think we're also the best podcast out of all those choices. Obviously. Yeah, yep. in our own minds. Under, we're the underground's best known secret. <laughs> it's not a secret if you're willing to tell everybody but yeah, let's keep it going anyway <laughs> well we hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the podcast we have to admit it wasn't all fun and games it's not really anything that's going to cheer you up as a distraction from the world outside but if something different and let us know if you thought, you thought about it let us know if you liked it That's us for now, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.